some wonderful lessons and I have actually um, titled this lesson too hot to handle uh, and you'll understand that in just a, a few moments because we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah were too hot to handle and they became too hot to exist. Um, and so we look in this Bible, in this book, our holy book, uh, God has brought Abram out and he's given Abram a promise. But Abram did something, as most of us do, as humans do. We don't always listen. God said, get thee away from thy kindred and away from thy family and all these different people. And his, his uh, nephew Lot has lost his father. So Abraham brings him along. But every time he turns around, he seems to be having trouble out of who? Lot. Sometimes it's good not to drag people along with you. Sometimes I know we love people and we try to bring people along. But sometimes the best thing you can do when you love somebody is, is, is leave them alone. Because they'll, they'll bring some trouble in your life that doesn't need to be in your life. But I know Lot is blessed because sometimes we've been those people who need to have been left alone. And thank God that somebody didn't leave us alone, that their prayers are what kept us and kept us going. So let's go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. And we're going to start right there. Um, for those of you who are looking and watching by Internet, you can go to www.encounter360.org and look under the live stream. And you'll be able to look, see these notes uh, right along with us. And for those who have requested them by email, we have sent those to you. So we're glad that you're following along with us. Uh, let's read. Verse one says what? The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to this tent in the heat of the day. Abram looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed when you go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three says of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk at the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate. He stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, <coughs> and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I am old? I, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. 
But he said, yes, you did. <laughs> you did laugh. Isn't that amazing? And the Bible does have some humor in it if you read it the right way. So we see um, three people coming over to Abraham. And the first question you have is, according to Abraham 18 and 1, who is Abraham talking to? Well, Abraham is talking to God. If you go back to the original language, that God himself has come down to speak with Abraham. And we call this a Christophany. That's the answer. We talked about that. It's a Christophany. It's Christ on the earth uh, who has come down with angels. Christ. C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-A-N-Y. A Christophany. This is where we see Christ come into the earth. Uh, and, and the Lord God is coming to speak with Abraham. And so those are the first two answers. We see him talking to God, and we also call this a Christophany. Now, we see how quickly Abraham hurries to meet these people. I can understand Abraham because I am from Mississippi, and Mississippi is the hospitality state where it's insulting to come to somebody's house and everybody has two words. You know, we don't use whole sentences all the time, but you come in and somebody will say, have some. That means do you want something to eat? And that, that's what that means to translate. I'm pretty sure in Virginia, it's some, somewhat similar, isn't it, Brother, Brother Dave? Something that uh, is very similar. So we're very hospitable people. We like to bring people in and make people like family. We like to feed people. But in Abraham's culture, it is very, very important that they show hospitality because your reputation is built off of how hospitable you are. You do not want to get a reputation of being the person that is not good to strangers or wayfarers. So Abraham rushes out to meet these strangers and it's good that he did because he doesn't realize just yet who he's talking to. But it's important for us to be hospitable um, to all those whom we come in contact with, can somebody tell me another reason it's good to be hospitable to people? You never know what they have to say to you or offer you. Acts of kindness are good. And, and somebody said back there, the scripture I'm about to read, Hebrews 13 and 2, you may entertain angels. The Bible, that's what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 starting at verse one and going through two says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so people have entertained angels without knowing it. Uh, that's amazing. Isn't that important to know that how we treat other people, we may be entertaining angels. Jesus said, I was sick and you didn't feed me. I was hungry. Uh, hungry and you didn't feed me. I was sick and you didn't come to me. And they said, when did we do this? He said, when you did this to the least of mine, you did it to me. In other words, sometimes that we can do things and not realize that although we're trying to do it to a person, we're really doing it to Jesus. We're really doing it to God. And sometimes the hospitality, some of those people who you pass by and God puts his, his, his love on your heart to show them kindness, it could be that you just walked past an angel. You might have just walked past a blessing uh, because, because Abraham entertains these people, God's going to bless his family because Abram has, a, has family down in what city? Sodom. He has family down in Sodom. That's not one of the questions, but when they split and went their own ways, which way did Lot go? Lot went where? To the east in Sodom. And we talked about in the Bible, when people go east, it's generally farther away from what? God. 
And we've seen Abraham had already had to go rescue Lot. He'd already had to rescue Lot because of some things that had happened. You would think Lot would say, I appreciate that, Unc. Now, let me come back with you and hang out. But what does Lot do when he gets rescued? He goes right back to what? Sodom. Now, that's indicative, and this wasn't in my notes, but I think I need to stop there. Isn't it amazing how many times that we may be in sin and God gets us out of sin and that sin has a negative effect on our life? And as soon as we get rescued from it, a lot of times common sense, let we be too hard on Lot, will send us We'll ignore it and we'll get set right back in. How many of you have ever told this lie? This is the number one Christian lie besides I'll be praying for you in America. Lord, if you let me get out of this, I promise I won't what? Ever do it again. Knowing that while he's doing it, you already planted it in your what? Mine. Lord, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And don't we do stuff like that? So lest we be too hard on Lot, Lot is just a simple human. And sometimes we have to realize that Lot is who? Lot is us. Sometimes God saves us from bad situations and we go right back into them. It could not be something that's just tawdry and something that's horrible. It could be God helps us get out of debt and then we forget how we got out of debt and go right back into debt and do those things. That could be it. Or God could help us to lose weight or do something like that. And we start taking better care of our temple. And before you know it, you start getting some good cookies, like the cookie I just had a minute ago, the gourmet cookie I had just a little bit ago. If anybody needs cookies, you're welcome to them. I need to get them out of my house because they are delicious. And, and, and I don't want to be like Lot. I don't want to go back, <laughs> back, to, back to Sodom. I ate a cookie on the way over here, by the way. It was calling my name. But we don't want to be like Lot. Lot went right back. And so it put him in a predicament. And now Sarah has received the promise, but she can't believe that God's going to do. After all that he's done and all they've been through and disobeying God, they still can't believe that God's going to do what he said he's what going to do. Now, you see a stranger show up out of nowhere that asks for your wife by name. Now, that may make you want to fight, but when you realize that this is, is, is somebody that has to know something because these are strangers, how does he know Sarah's name? How does he know the promise that God has given? Because he's an angel, and one of those are angels, and one of them is God himself in a Christophany. So he's carrying a message from the Lord. He's saying that Sarah is going to have a child within the next year. Now, if God has told you that you're going to have a child, you've already had this conversation and a random stranger shows up and tells you, hey, that promise that God told you that I should know nothing about is going to happen. At some point in time, something should click that maybe God's going to do this. He's trying to tell you, but how, how many times have we been kind of dense sometimes that God is trying to warn us or God's trying to tell us something or put a blessing in our lap. And because we can't really believe it and can't fathom it with our minds, we don't, we try to push it away. We laugh. And then she tried to cover it up with a lie. And she said, I didn't lie. He said, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. She laughed to herself. Isn't that amazing? Yes, over 24 years it had been since she's been promised. And she, she brings out a good point. She didn't even laugh out loud. She laughed to herself. And where was she? 
She was in the tent. They were outside. But God knew what was in her heart. Sometimes we try to hide some things or doubt and unbelief. Sometimes God, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but God's promised some people some things. And you're at a place in space that has been a long time between when you received the promise and the manifestation. And you're getting a little bit cynical like Sarah. You're, you're getting to the point like, yeah, it'll never happen. I don't see it. It's not going to happen. It might be a growth in your ministry. It might be a growth in your business, a growth in your relationships or your marriage. But God sees those things. I'm here to encourage you to get that cynical out of your heart to let God be God and God is not a liar if he's promised it to you he's gonna what do it the Bible says that God is not a man that he what should what lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind if he said it he'll do it but now there's about to be another conversation because God didn't just come to drop that news he's on a mission so let's see what he says uh, verse 16 let's read that Genesis 18 and 16 if they can get that on the screen, they got it right there. Let's go. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? That's good right there. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. That is powerful. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's, he's, he's about to do what we're about to see. He's not going to stop doing it. He came to do it. He, but, but he decides to share what he's going to do with who? Abraham. If he had not shared it with Abraham, Abraham might not have done what he did next, and it might not have gained as much mercy for his nephew. Oh, I pray that we live such a life that do you know some of the things that didn't happen to you, Victor? You know why they didn't happen? Because somebody was praying for you when you didn't have enough sense to pray for yourself. And me included, that some sometimes we lived off of other people's prayers, that they were praying for us when we weren't smart enough to pray for ourselves, and God honored them when we were too foolish. This is amazing. God says, you know what? I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. One scripture in the Bible says that I am the Lord thy God. And he says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you for the earth is mine and everything in it. So what God is saying is, and we also know the scripture says that the Lord is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Does he have to tell Abraham anything? No, but he decides to tell Abraham because we'll find later that Abraham has become a friend of God. What does that mean? That means he has built a relationship with God. It's important for us to see this because we see Abraham has sold his wife. He's going to do it again. We haven't looked at that again, but he's going to do it again. Abraham has disobeyed and done some foolish things. Abraham has been a been, been, been a. a kind of a handful at times, but he is still a friend of God. Why is that important for all of us? Because a lot of us live under doubt and disbelief and condemnation because we're not perfect. And we make mistakes and we mess up and we try to hide it from people, but all of us have struggles and issues. And what we see in this is that although Abraham is imperfect, he still has a relationship with who? God. A lot of people don't come to God because they feel like I don't dot every I and cross every T. Guess what? He knows you don't dot every I and cross every T. And that is ever more the reason for you to come to him. Come like you are and you won't leave like you came. 
The goal is not for you to stay that way, but if you come how you are, God will receive you unto himself. He will save you. And as you build a relationship with him, guess what? When you build a relationship with people and, and, and you get to know them, you always learn things about them. You're constantly learning. I took my wife somewhere Saturday night, I think it was, and we went somewhere and there, it was one of these restaurants where the guy's sitting there with the little tip jar on top of the thing and he's playing playing the uh, the grand piano and stuff. And he they started playing a song and I was humming the song. And Robin says, you know this song? I said, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs. We've been together 21 years and yet there's still stuff that she can discover about me. And I can discover about her. A lot of us, once we get saved, we start to wane in our relationship with Christ. We don't come to church as much. We don't do things as much because we feel like we got it. But there's so much more. I'm a simple human. And there's still after 20 years things my wife doesn't know about me and things that I don't know about her. But God has endless possibilities. How much are we not tapping into because we don't try to bolster our relationship with him to know him better every time every time we come here on wednesday night that we can know more about god till we get to the point where god says i'm about to do a move in the earth should i tell the mark what i'm going to do now i hear somebody who's saying well he's not abraham he's not but god is no respecter of person that somebody wrote um, somebody wrote and he what walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Oh, that should be our joy and our goal that we build a relationship with God, that he considers us a friend. And sometimes he lets us in on things. That's a beautiful tapestry, but we're going to keep moving. Verse 20. Let's go to Genesis 18 and 20. What did it say? The Lord, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. And their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if they have what if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Now, this is dangerous language right here, because the last time God said the outcry was great against something. What did he do? He flooded the entire earth. <laughs> so this might not be if, if God is saying the outcry is great against you. That's probably not your best day to get out of bed. You might want to just roll on over and not bother to get out of the bed. But let's see what he says. Verse 22. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Why is Abraham doing this? Because who's in Sodom? His nephew's in Sodom. He only needs to get his nephew out, but he's a sly fella. He only needs Lot and his two daughters and, and, and uh, Lot's wife. He only needs four people, but just in case, Abram starts at what? 50. <laughs> he starts at 50 people. He's trying to bargain with God. He said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people? And he's talking to God. But guess what? God had talked. God is talking to him. So he's taking the advantage to be able to what? Have a conversation with his creator. Far be it from you to do such a thing. Look how he's trying to slip God. To kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Wow. That's a bold statement. But Abraham is bargaining. You know what? 
I hope Lot got him a Christmas present or some kind of present every year because Lot really deserves what he gets because he keeps making mistakes and Abraham is continually bargaining for his life. Wow, let's keep going. We're going to go to verse 26 through 33 and then we'll answer probably uh, a couple of questions. Uh, the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous, you can read with me, people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abram spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. See, he's smart. What if the number of the righteous is less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. By the time this, I'd be, if I were God, I'd be like, that's enough. That's enough. I, I get the point. But Abraham's not going to give up. Verse 30. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? <laughs> he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Abraham will not take no for an answer. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry with me, but let me speak just one more. What if only 10 can be found there? Now just stop. How many people does he have inside him? He has his wife. He has his two daughters and his nephew. That's four. His two daughters, uh, his lots two daughters have men that are betrothed to him. So that's six or seven. Abraham is trying to make sure he gets that family what <laughs> under the radar. He's gonna keep going. So, and we'll see later that they have son-in-laws almost, but they don't they don't quite get it. We're gonna get to that then. And verse thirty-three says, "For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it." When the Lord has finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Abraham thinks he has done good. So um, verse 20 shows us, when we look at verse 20, that God is a just judge. Oftentimes we like to talk about loving Jesus and, and, and that we like to pretend that the God of the Old Testament is a different God from Jesus, but they are co-equal and co-eternal in nature. So when this is a Christophany, so this is Christ talking to him. So this is Jesus. So when they say, well, Jesus wouldn't be that hard, Guess who's talking? It's Jesus. Jesus is on his way to send these angels to destroy Sodom because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit never contradict one another. They are always in perfect harmony and perfect agreement. So if the sins that are in Sodom make God sick, they make Jesus sick too. Which means that we can't erroneously make the case that just because we're in the New Testament, if it's not okay with God, then it's not okay what? Now, we, have, we may have grace for some things, but God still does not what? Approve. We cannot try to change our God into a likable, lovable God that, that agrees with all of our sin. He's the just judge. He has the righteous standard that we must live by, and we can't adjust God's principles to meet our morals. So we'll see that, see that in a second. So number three says it shows us that God is a just judge. The, the outcry of sin has raised up, and God's going to do something about it. But number four, it says Abraham's plea with God shows us God's what? 
mercy. You got it. It shows us God's mercy that also, although God is just and he's going to destroy Sodom because of the pleas of Abraham and, and, and what Lot is about to do in a second, God shows what? Mercy. God's already allowed Abraham because we see with Melchizedek, Abraham didn't kill all those different king's armies by himself. Melchizedek tells him, you only were able to do that because who allowed you to do that? God. So Abraham was victorious because of God. So God's mercy has already saved Lot one time and Lot went right back to the same old thing. Go ahead, Victor. You had a question. To have a conversation with God like that? We will, yeah, we'll see that again. We'll see that in the poetical book of Job, um, where Job has a conversation with God, and it doesn't go the way Job wants because God ends up telling him when he gets ready to respond, gird up your loins like a man. Uh, you want to come to me like a man? I'm going to talk to you <laughs> like a man. But we can come to God. God doesn't mind us being open and honest with him and talking with him. God doesn't like fakeness. If you've watched any of the, the, the Holy Week, um, the Holy Week uh, clips that we've been putting out for the congregation and other people across the week, one of the ones I talked about was the expectation of authenticity. There's no point in saying, oh, great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, knowing it's not in your heart. God can see your heart. We see that with Sarah. She didn't open her mouth. And he said, you laughed. She said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. So it's okay as long as we're respectful. That's what I want you to pay attention to. Abraham was honest with God, but he was also respectful. I'm but dust. But can I ask you one more question? I know I'm just a mere mortal, but can I ask you just one more question? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when you look at your relationship with your children, you'll realize that we're just big kids talking to God. Literally. Oftentimes, when I'm talking to my children or even correcting my children, I get convicted by convicted or talking about children because while I'm talking to them, sometimes God will bring up something that I've done similar and he had to talk to me about the same type of situation. And now I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you still going to get it. But I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> because that is, that is, isn't it amazing how we come to God and God, we are his children. We are the sheep of his pasture and he shows us continual mercy. Aren't you glad about that? And aren't you glad that you can have a conversation with the Almighty? That the veil of partition has been torn and you can have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about my troubles. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. All because we do not carry everything to what? God in prayer. It's okay to talk to God. That's very astute. And I like this talk back. I'm going to move a little further because that clock is, is, is racing against me. But that's okay. Uh, we have to stay a little bit longer. I like this. This is good. Is this good to you guys? I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. So Abraham has thought that he's going to get what he needs. And so God has turned and the other two men have gone to Sodom. Now let's see what the outcry is going on in Sodom. As a matter of fact, we're going to do a lot of reading. But I think we're going to read all the way through this. Y'all ready? ready? Let's see how bad this is. 
<coughs> chapter 19, verse 1. <clears throat> now, God goes back where he's going, but he sends the two angels on ahead. There were three, and now there are what? Two. The outcries come. God sees what he needs to see. I'm stopping to take uh, talk to Abraham. I'm going to send y'all on to do what, the rest of what I need to do. Let's read. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway to the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down face to the ground. Now, this is important for us to know before we go any further. The city gate is an important place. That's where business is, uh, is transacted, where people come to talk, that, uh, that the men are there. Most of the times, most of the times, important people are at the gate. So this means that Lot may even have become a government official. So not only has Lot gotten close to Sodom, but he's become ingrained in the culture of what? Sodom. He has become a part of what? Sodom. Doesn't the Bible say come out from among them and be ye separate? We have to be in the world. We have to work with people that don't know the Lord and we have to show the love of Christ to those people. But there's a difference between interacting with people and allowing people's culture and mindsets and things to affect you so you can't tell them from you. They don't come there and see immediately the people of Sodom. The first person he, he looks at as a representative, the first person he runs into is who? Lot. Wow. Let's keep reading. Verse, uh, verse two. My Lord, he says, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night, then go on your way early in the morning. We see he has good home training. Uh, I, and that's amazing. Sometimes even when you do wrong, what you taught at home sometimes will come up to the front. You know, when mama raised you to do certain things and now you do what you want to do, but you know it's wrong, but you still know, right? We see that the same principles that were in Abraham, they're sitting there, what? And lot. he may not be doing right all the time, but he knows what's what, right? That's why I consistently reach out to some people that people will consider unreachable, but because just because they don't do right, doesn't mean they don't what? No right. Or know what's right. Sometimes they're just what it takes a little while for them to come into the Lord. So let's keep going. He says, No, they answer, we will spend the night in the square. One of the reasons Lot is offering this is probably because he knows it's not safe for them to spend the night in the square. Lot already knows what'll happen to him, so he rushes out to meet him. Now, verse three. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them breaking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came with you tonight? Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. They want to rape these men. That's what they're saying. Bring these men out so that we can rape them. That's why... He didn't want to leave them out there. He knew what type of place Sodom was, and he knew it wasn't safe for them. You see what kind of city Sodom is? You're not safe in Sodom. Let's see, verse 6. Let's keep going. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind them. Can you see this? Can you picture this? That he knows there's a mob outside his house ready to rape these two men, apparent men, who are actually angels, that have showed up. And so he rushes out real quick and closes the door behind them so, so they can't look back there as if they don't know who's in there. And, he, and said, no, friends. Now look at this. 
Don't do this wicked thing. Verse 8, let's read that together. Because I want you to see how far Lot has slid in his morality. Verse 8, eight says what? Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you could do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Verse 6 or question 6 says, what does Lot's willingness to give up his own daughters say about how the culture of Sodom has affected him? They're betrothed. They're betrothed. You'll find out later. They're betrothed to other men. And he's willing to let his daughters be taken advantage of. Now, I know it's bad for the other, but it's bad for both. Can you see how ingraining yourself in cultures of sin can so skew your moral compass that even when you're trying to do the right thing, you're doing the wrong thing. Does that sound like anything we know, America? Um, <laughs> that we call things that are right wrong and things that are wrong right and we glorify bad and we don't like good. Doesn't that seem like what you see today? Human nature. Let's keep going. Wow. I'm a, I'm a I really want to jump through these pages because I got three girls and I'm a, I love my girls. They daddy's girls, but wow. But we have to keep it within cultural context. So let's keep on reading. Verse nine, get out of our way. They replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. Then they kept bringing pressure on lot and moved forward to break down the door. In other words, you came here as an outsider. Who do you think you are? Now, let's go to verse 10. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Wait a minute, they're not scared. They opened the door. <laughs> they pulled Lot back in. That should be a clear indicator that you don't want to go back in the door because if they were scared, they just leave Lot out there by herself. Katie barred the door. They opened the door saying, I wish you would come in here. That should have been their warning. But they are so overcome with wickedness that they do not what? Care. Wow. They kept pressure on Lot, moving, uh, and, and Lot moved forward to break down the door. So now they're going to try to break down the door. They pull a lot on the inside. So let's see how the angels respond. Verse 11. Then they struck the men who were at the door, young and old. Wait a minute. We got to stop right there. The Bible always tells us that the younger should be taught by the older. Sodom is so far gone that they can't find mentorship even in the older people. That they have generational wickedness. Do you see that? That even the older people are wicked. It used to be back in the day when I was young, it was certain things, even if they had did it, they were too old and you didn't know if they were doing it anymore. The old people would at least seem like they had some kind of moral compass. But sometimes nowadays, isn't it amazing you can't tell the daughter between the granddaughter? Granddaughter, mama, and grandmama, they all at the club together. <laughs> Grandfather, grandson, and son are on the corner. Why? Because there's generational wickedness. When generations begin to create a culture of wickedness, that culture quickly will decline. What killed Rome? 
wickedness. Look it up. Some of this similar wickedness is what killed and destroyed the mighty empire of Rome. One of the mightiest empires that the world had ever seen, which was at the apex of its power during the time of Jesus, during this time of Holy Week. But wickedness and moral depravity destroyed it. And anytime you have wickedness and moral depravity and you start to uh, start to glorify things that God hates, and, and the glorified practices that God doesn't care for, you have gone down a slippery slope and your country is on the way to destruction. Woe unto a country that does that. I didn't want to say it, but she said it. That's what America's doing. She said it. Can you see how our country is slowly slipping into a decline so ever more so should it be for us to try to press for holiness to press for righteousness that doesn't mean you're perfect that doesn't mean you don't make mistakes but that does mean that you hold yourself and use god's standard by with and here's the thing well thank you holy spirit do you notice that they use pressure to try to pressure him into doing what they want to cancel culture do what we want or we'll get you too Say what we want and agree with what we say should be agreed with, or we'll make it where you can't find a job, or we'll we'll do to you what we do to them. That is nothing new. That's what happens when wickedness begins to prevail in the earth. Wow. Let's keep going. So they um they they struck the old and the young with blindness. Verse 12. The two men said to Lot, Wow, do you have anyone else here? son-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city that belongs to you, get them out of here. Too hot to handle. It's fixing to get a little hotter. It's been hot, but it's going to get even even more hot. Um, let's go on uh, to verse 13. Because we're going to destroy this place, the outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law. Wow. They married. They're already married. But look at this. They were pledged to marry. When you're pledged to marry in that culture, it's almost just like you've married. You're betrothed. You're, you just haven't, haven't said mazel tov, but at the end of the day, you're, you're done. You're, you're going to be married. So they're already promised to someone. And he says this. He says, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city, but his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Now, I, I, I got to bring out this point. I know I'm running out of time, but I got to bring out this point. Verse 14 shows us that Lot had lost his what? Witness. Lot had lost his witness. His compromise caused his son-in-laws not to take him seriously. It left them doomed. They lost their life because Lot had so compromised himself that when he started talking about the Lord, they wouldn't even take him seriously. They thought it was a joke. You know, that's what happens when we come to church and look one way and then we go home and we do everything else with everybody else and act like them and look like them. That when we try to talk to them about Jesus, they'll listen and they'll smile, but they look and say, you're doing the same things I am. You cuss just like I do. You get drunk more than I do. I looked in your phone. I see what pictures are in there. You, well, you, you want to tell me about Jesus? Isn't it important 
that we have to be careful. And I know we've all made mistakes, but going forward, we need to make sure that when we tell people about Jesus, we live such a life that they take us seriously because it could have devastating effects. These young men are about to die. Why are they about to die? Abraham was righteous and men went into war against different countries with him, but they won't follow Lot because Lot has gotten so ingrained in this culture that when he tells them something about God, they laugh in his face. Wow. Ever wonder why you're having trouble getting people to come to church with you? Sometimes it's just because people don't want to come, but could it be they look at you and say, I don't see any difference in your life than mine. You cuss more than me. You lie more than me. You drink and steal and get high more than me. You gossip more than me. Why would I come to church? I can be at home and do what you're doing. They don't see a real difference in your life. And they laugh at you. Because what they see doesn't match what you say. I'm gonna leave that alone because that clock is still going, Lamarck. And it got quiet, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get up off of that for a second. <laughs> Let's keep on going. <laughs> Let's keep on going. But you know what to do. If we can't say amen, we say what? Ouch. And we've all have to say ouch at one point in our life, haven't we? That's just the human experience. Let's keep going. Verse 15. With coming of the, the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, hurry, take your wife. And your two sisters who are here, and you will be, or you will be swept away when the city is punched. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand of his wife and his daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. Wait a minute. You've seen them strike people with blindness. They tell you they're going to destroy the city. They prove to you that they can make this happen, and you are so in love with sin that they still have to jerk you out. Stupid, isn't it? She says stupid. But how many of our secret sins that we know we need to let go of that are destroying our life, that sometimes God has to jerk us out of them because we won't let them go? And we're about to be destroyed and we don't realize it. But it said because God was merciful, he jerked them out. Sometimes you see somebody get jerked out of something and sometimes it's embarrassing and they get exposed with that sin or whatever. But what it is, that's God's mercy because he's jerking them out. Because I'd rather jerk you out and save your life than allow you to stay because sin has you what? Trapped. David said it was good that I be afflicted because if had I not been afflicted, I wouldn't have learned your what? Law. Let's keep going. Wow. This is, this is an amazing story, isn't it? Verse 16, they grasped the hands of his wife. We're going to go down to verse 17. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my Lord. He's just hard-headed. No, my Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me and sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to it, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, 
Very well, I will grant you this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee quickly because I do not, I cannot do anything until I reach it, then until you reach it. That is why the town is called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land, and then the Lord rained down sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew these cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But the Lord, but Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, somebody said, don't look back. When God delivers you from something, don't look back. If he delivers you from a person, block them on Facebook, block them on Instagram, change your number if you have to, move to another city if you have to. But what you cannot do once God delivers you from something is look back because just because he saved you the first time doesn't mean he's going to save you again. He saved the woman at the well, but he gave her a stern warning. When he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, he says, where are your accusers? She said, I don't see any. But then he said something. He said, go and sin no more. I might not help you the next time. Lot's wife had to learn that lesson the hard way. Now she's salty. Pun intended. Bad joke. But how many times have we ended up salty because we went back to something? Some of us right now have friends we know we need to cut loose. Friends and family we need to cut loose. People in our life we need to block. Because if we don't, we're too weak to fight the pull. That's the thing, that Lot was too weak to fight the pull of Sodom. Some people are too weak to fight the pull of pornography pornography you need to put something on your phone or, or get a flip phone or whatever you have to do or do away with your computer why because it's pulling you and God's pulling you one way and it's pulling you another and until you strong enough to get far away from it where that pull doesn't affect you you need to run and not look what back how many of you ever had a situation where you need to run and not look back but let's be honest, sometimes we have what? Look back. And it was worse the second time than the first. The Bible says this. It says that if the house is swept clean, in other words, if a demon has left the person. And he said if the house is swept clean, he, the, the, the demon himself goes out and he looks through the dry places. And he looks for a new home. And when he can't find one, he comes back and he brings seven of his friends or more of his friends. And it's worse than the first time. When God delivers you, sometimes it's harder. When you get those demons in your life or those things in your life, sometimes it's harder the second time around. If God has delivered you, don't look back. Run and don't look back. When the man with the, that, that Jesus put the, the, the demons in the swine, he had thousands of demons. And he said, what's your name? And they said, Legion, for we are what? Many. How many times do you think he'd look back? How many times is God going to keep delivering us before we get the message? I'm a living witness that you can mess up, but if you cut off and you run and you don't look back, God will restore and give you so much more. But you can't look back. You can't go back to where you came from. 
because you could be destroyed. Let's keep going because the clock says I'm out of time. Will y'all give me five more minutes to finish reading this? Uh, let's go. Verse 27. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. Wow. Too hot to handle. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, so he destroyed a couple of cities. He remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe of the overthrew cities that Lot had lived, where Lot lived. Because he remembered Abraham, he saved Lot. Now, we're going to finish up on these last few verses because we're going to go here and we're going to finish and start at chapter 20. Let's start at verse 30. Uh, 16 and uh, 19 and 30. It says, What? Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, because they don't, because, because Lot didn't have a witness, they didn't listen. So where they're, where they're soon to be husbands? They did. So one day, verse 31, one day the older daughter said to the younger, our father is old and there's no man around here to lie with us and is the custom all over the earth. Let's go get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when he lay down and when he, she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight and you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father uh, to drink wine that night also and the younger daughter went and lay with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down and when he, she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites today. As we finish these questions, we see question eight. Lot hesitates even though he's given a stern warning. Jesus teaches us not to fall in love with the things of the, can anybody tell me what that is? Look, the things of the world. And that's first John. Um, you can go back and read that first John chapter two, verses five through 17. For sake of time, I might not read it, but it says basically love not the world, nor the things in the world. And it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that we shouldn't love those things. Uh, question nine, Lot's wife teaches us that when God delivers us, we should not look what? Back. And then the other one, that, that scripture, 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, I want to read that because this is something people are always talking about what's not in the New Testament. But let's read what 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says. It says this, it says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I, oh, Jesus. Let's just read 14 down. For, for those who believe that, that you can do anything when you, you get saved. 
uh, in the New Testament. Verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do, do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are a temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 30, last question, chapter 10, question 10, verse 30 shows us that Lot's children had adopted the immorality of Sodom. This shows how important it is to have a healthy and godly environment for our children. Environment. They were a product of their environment. Where did they get their morality from? He started raising them in a wicked place. I know we got baseball games. Baseball games are good. My kids are real active in sports. Not sports, but in academics and other things. And, and choir and drama and music and all these things. But the very first place we should have our children is in the church. We need to try to raise godliness in our kids and put them in an environment that we live in a world that's fallen. So you won't ever be able to make it where they can't be around uh, people who don't know Jesus. And as a matter of fact, you don't want them to be like that. You don't want them to become insulated uh, and to where they don't know how to interact with people because you're training them to be salt and light and they need to know how to go out in the world. But you let them be in the world, but the world not be what in them. You see what happens? when we let our children be in environments of wickedness? Mm -hmm. Mm They still heard the word of God. And we, we do that some on Sundays, and that's, there's a reason behind that. It's not because of COVID. It's because we wanted to make sure that the youth hear the word of God. They're going to hear it downstairs, and we do it like on tonight on Wednesday nights where they can hear it, and they can hear it in a way that a child needs to hear it. But they're also going to get a dose, an adult-type dose. Um, we're, we're careful of what we say when Saya and other little kids are in the room. But at the same time, they need to hear that. Faith comes by what? hearing and hearing the word of God it's that's very important so if we get anything out of this let's know that God's mercy will deliver us but when he delivers us we don't need to look back we need to be thankful that he's pulled us out sing forth the praises of him who has brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light God has given us in America and across the world a new call to holiness that doesn't mean we're perfect I keep saying that because sometimes we make mistakes, but there's a difference. My uh, spiritual father used to say, son, there's a difference between weak and wicked. <laughs> when you're weak, you might make a mistake, but you're upset with it and you keep working and you pray and you go before the Lord and you're running from that mistake. But when you're wicked, you just, you just do it and you say, the Lord know my heart. You don't try to change. This has been a, a wonderful topic tonight. Uh, and, and it's, it's a hot button issue, no pun intended, <laughs> but this is what shows what happens when wicked pervades and when we don't lead the way God has called us to lead because Lot didn't lead the way God called him to lead. Um, it didn't end well for him, for him and his daughters, but here's a ray of sunshine that years down the road, 
through the tribe of Moab, there is a woman named Ruth. And Ruth is born and becomes the great, 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 so many great grandmother of Jesus, one of the few people in his genealogy. So even through family trauma and family mess and incest and all sorts of things, that God can take those things. And, and although they're horrible and they're horrid, and we hope they never happen, but God can take those things and he can bring something out of them in the future. So if you're a victim of those things, don't feel like you're lost or you're hopeless. God can take the mess and brokenness of sin and make stained glass windows out of our life. Let's pray. Any questions, any comments? For those of you who are watching online, if you're still watching, we love and thank you for the time um, that you're here with us. If you're being blessed, put in the chat that I'm being blessed. Shoot us a line. We love to get those emails and you can send it to connectedencounter360.org, C-O-N-N-E-C-T at encounter360.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered or you need prayer, reach out to us. We'll be glad to pray for you or lead you to Jesus. That's why we do this, to bring people uh, to Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this holy week um, that you're allowing us, God, um, to learn your word. And I pray that this lesson has been taught in such a way that your grace will reach out to people and teach us and guide us, those of us who have made mistakes and done wrong, that we can get loose and not turn back. And Lord God, those things in our life that are too hot to handle, we'll quit juggling them like a hot potato, but we'll let them go and run from them and be safe in your mercy in the ark of safety. We give you praise and thanks, and I pray for those uh, who are not saved, that they will become saved, that you'll place somebody in their life, uh, if not us, to lead them uh, in the plan of salvation. And we pray for a glorious time this Easter in churches all across America, as well as this one. Fill this place, God, with people, God, so that they will hear your gospel message, that you died, but you rose again. We'll give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise.